Hello there. Welcome to the Christ Covenant Sermon Talkback. The Sermon Talkback is a chance for pastors and members of Christ Covenant to process the sermon, ask questions to the preacher, and more practically apply the content of the sermon. If you have a question for the Sermon Talkback, please text it to the text-to-pastor line at 678-951-9041, or you can ask through Twitter by tweeting to Jason directly at Jason Edwin Dees. Enjoy. Well, we continued the questions people ask series yesterday, and um, we asked a big one. I think that this is one that um, obviously has been asked in a number of different ways. I mean, all the questions that we're looking at, there's kind of the the, the main question, and then there's all the different ways you can answer it. And so you could ask this question, you know, haven't we moved beyond uh, Christianity be, uh, as an enlightened people, um, doesn't science disprove Christianity? Uh, we asked it specifically, why do Christians reject science? And uh, to me, I think that's just kind of an interesting way to ask the question because it does seem that Christians are uh, in, uh, sometimes I think, obviously wrongly in opposition of science or wrongly skeptical of science. And I think that comes from um a certain fear of attack that uh, people in more materialistic worldview kind of frameworks have have challenged Christians or have pushed against Christianity or have basically said that Christianity is is nonsense. And so I think that's led to a, a fear on the side of uh, the Christian um, toward toward any sort of scientific method. And, and so hopefully I was trying to clarify, um, you know, just some ideas about how compatible Christianity and science really are, how they're really one and the same. Uh, the science or observation is, is in so many ways the eyes of a biblical worldview. But I'm joined today by Tara Anderson and Jason Byers, two of the sharpest members of Christ's covenant. And so thanks for joining us today. And, and Tara, we'll start with you. What, what are some impressions you had from the sermon? Yeah, so I just think the Hans Halvorsen quote about um, science rests more firmly on theistic foundations. And then, Jason, maybe you can read it for us, but he goes into order, design, and goodness. And just this idea that science is something that's built on top of theology and not the reverse. Yeah, the, the, the big thing that I was trying to say kind of in that first part, the foundation of science, um, when you use reason and observation— to try to explain the world, um, that reason and that observation actually has to be anchored in something or in some assumptions. Uh, one of those assumptions is that there actually is a material world, right? Which not every worldview would agree with. Um, but there's other assumptions that really line up with a theistic worldview and, and particularly a Christian worldview. Uh, so for example, science or, or even reason itself presumes that there is order. It presumes that there is logic. It, it presumes that there is design. It presumes that there is goodness. It presumes that there is beauty. Um, and so, again, Christianity or theism more broadly gives a satisfying answer to all of those things. Atheism, uh, and particularly kind of a Darwinistic atheism that says that everything is happening in a material sense by chance, uh, doesn't give a satisfying answer. Of course, atheists have an answer for these things, but it's really not a satisfying answer. Um, Truth can't be grounded in the fact that 
truth exists, right? You, you can't just say, well, there's truth, and so therefore this is true. Well, that's not uh, an anchoring answer, or human values can't be anchored in the strength of human beings, right? We, we don't have enough kind of fiber, uh, courage, capacity, conviction to actually hold up any sort of you know, human value claim. It, there has to be some sort of anchor behind all of these things. And of course, um, I believe Christianity actually gives a stronger um, answer to these things than, than of course, atheism does. And, and that's what Halverson was saying. He's like, if you look at scientific method, they're starting from presumptions that actually flow out of a Western Christian view of the world. How about you, Jason? Any impressions from the sermon? Yeah, I mean, along similar lines, I often, um, when I think about the orderliness of the world, I'm always um, drawn to uh, Romans 1, uh, 20, where it speaks that God has revealed himself uh, to us in his creation. And, and um, you know, we often forget that uh, what's really being pursued in science is uh, an effort to, to come to grips and to come to a greater understanding of the order that we see all around us. I've spoken to you in the past, Jason, but I remember vividly sitting in um, a, a class, a physics class as a freshman in college and learning, you know, the order, orderliness of the created order. I, I can I can know if I throw a ball down a straight street, if it's 100 yards from me, all things being equal, I can tell you how fast that ball is going to be uh, going, how high it's going to bounce. There's just a natural order to things. And so... Um, the beginnings of science were really uh, Christians seeking to uh, reconcile intellectually themselves and, and spiritually with, with the order that they see in the world. You referenced an Einstein quote and, um, in your sermon. There's another quote. I, I paraphrase it. it. It may be apocryphal for all I know, but Einstein said something to the effect that the reason he studied science was because he wanted to understand the mind of God, mm. right? And there's there's something about this pursuit of understanding the natural world around us that begins with the motivation to draw closer to the power that created it. Whether that, whether you call that God or whether you call it some, something else, the order in the universe is undeniable, and science is our way of coming to grips uh, with, with that order. And when you see order, your presumption is order-er, right? I mean, when you, yeah, right. when you see Mount Rushmore, you don't think, huh, that's interesting that those rocks look like four American presidents. You, you say, oh, someone must have carved that. Someone yeah. must have designed that. You don't assume disorder when you see order. Right. You actually assume something must have ordered this. Something must have designed this um that's a natural assumption of the human mind and of course that's that's really the, the foundation of you said like you said of what science is it's discovering those orders i mean you you mentioned einstein i mean I, to me the mendeleev i talked about the periodic table yesterday like yeah to me the periodic table is so fascinating how the elemental world and how the atomic world just repeats itself how it acts predictably um you know how Mendeleev and obviously other scientists were able to predict the weights, the melting points, the, um, the, the whatever particular features of certain elements that had never been discovered because they would guess that they would be discovered. First of all, they didn't even know that they existed, but they guessed there is an element out there 
that's like this and this is what it's like. Um, and that, again, just that speaks to design. That speaks to incredible order in the world. Yeah. Yeah. I, 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 I know Bella says that uh, the Big Bang implies a Big Banger, right? Yeah. Yeah. And the other, another tried example, you see footprints in the sand. You don't assume that they happen by accident. You assume somebody had walked there, right? So there, there, there is a reason that things look orderly, and it's because they were created by an orderly mind. Yeah, that's good. Any questions, Tara, maybe that you had kind of in response to the sermon? Yeah, so not really a question, but I, I think similar um, to Jason, um, uh, Romans 1, 24 through 25, and at the end of 25, it talks about um, how we exchange uh the creator for the created thing. And, Mm -hmm. um, Jason, I know you alluded that to that at the end of your sermon, but I think normally when I've read that passage in the past, I've thought about, you know, cultures or religions that, um, you know, worship their ancestors or animals. But when you put science in light of that, I think it's a really helpful way to think about it in a Western context. Yeah, that's, 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 yeah. And and that's really what, and it's not just just science in a sense, but that's, that is really what kind of an atheistic or, uh, you know, scientific atheistic kind of worldview is trying to do. It's saying, okay, let's look at the natural world. And in the natural world, we can answer all of the questions that we have. And again, I think that's where science falls apart. Uh, You know, where science is beautiful is when it answers the questions of the natural world, assuming that the natural world is not all that there is. That's when science actually works. When when it drops that assumption and, and starts to think that, that the natural world is everything, uh, it actually becomes incredibly weak. Um, so, several of the quotes that I gave yesterday show that actually even scientific method doesn't hold up under those um, assumptions. And uh, But I think that's, that's case in point, as you're saying here, starting to worship the created that rather than the creator. Mm. What are some questions you have, Jason? Well, I, um, I was watching the, uh, uh, comment thread on the YouTube live stream yesterday, as I know several other of our members, uh, were doing as well. And, um, there was a, we had a visitor in the comment thread that was posting what, what I would, consider, um, and I don't mean this as a pejorative in any way, but what I would consider sort of um, kind of garden variety, evolutionary slash humanist responses to some of the arguments that you were making. And what I thought was useful is, and there's a question in here, so bear with me. Your sermon was in part, I think, a corrective to the notion that all that is required to make sense of, to, to, um, to reconcile science and faith is intellectual assent. And, and what Paul is telling us in first Corinthians two is that no, there's, there's a spiritual assent that has to occur as well um, to, to fully understand all that God has done. And so in, in light of that, and and obviously we live in a world um, where there are an awful lot of people that much less uh, granting spiritual assent to the idea that there's a creator God. There's still are, are, um, can't get past uh, this intellectual hurdle, um, and particularly in the postmodern world that we live in, you reference this idea around you do you yesterday, and shameless plug, I just started a, a Covenant Institute course on um, 
postmodernism last night. We, no need, question we need that course, so please <laughs> yeah, keep plugging exactly. it. exactly. Yeah, so the question I have, and I have my ideas about this, but it would be useful to – I would love to hear your thoughts on it and maybe discuss it, is how then are – what is the proper response for us as believers who not only have given intellectual assent but the spiritual assent that, that Paul describes in 1 Corinthians 2? Um, how are we then to engage with people that obviously – very clearly believe, believe differently than we do uh, about these these matters, and and you know in a winsome way that is attractive to to people that otherwise uh, would dismiss um, our claims about uh, our God being a powerful orderly creator. Yeah, I think that if Christians find themselves getting into uh, a lot of you know tit for tat kind of arguments yeah. with atheistic minded folks you're you're, yeah. you're probably not going to make that much progress um even though you may have very reasonable things to say um mm. but oftentimes those just kind of usually when you confront people in a battle that have clearly made up their mind on something they you know they're, they're not very easy to give up their positions um and so you, you the goal i would think uh that i think a lot of christians should have is to help people understand the hopelessness of their current position. Uh, mm. And so rather than, I heard Tim Keller say this one time, and I thought it was really good, rather than answering their questions, you should question their answers. And so help create a, a bit of a deconstruction in their minds and in their hearts of the kind of hopelessness or the faultiness um, or the inadequacy maybe of their own worldview that then may lead them to ask you questions um, about what you believe as a Christian. And so I, I think that the starting point, if it's confrontation, is probably not going to at least give that kind of spiritual assent that you were talking earlier. There's a reason people are suppressing truth and unrighteousness, right? There's a reason yep. Yep. that Romans 1 is true. And uh, people aren't just going to give up on their unrighteousness. I mean, I, there's this famous Aldous Huxley quote where he says, I had a philosophy of nothingness or, you know, atheistic philosophy. I believed in nothing. And I said, I had a good reason to. If I believed in nothing, then I could sleep with whoever I wanted to sleep with and I could vote for whoever I wanted to vote with and I could do whatever I wanted to do. And he said, I had good reason to believe these things. And I actually think, if you, if you really think about it, man has been wanting to have a satisfying answer Um to how the world exists without God from the very beginning of time. And I think that uh, a naturally minded man has made some progress on that. I mean, I think that that is one thing because science can answer a lot of questions about the natural world. Uh, obviously I think people can say, well, that it can answer every question. It obviously doesn't. It leaves so many of these questions uh, unanswered in an unsatisfying way. But but people have always wanted to remove God from the equation. Go back to the Tower of Babel, right? We don't need God if we can just build this tower tall enough. Uh, human achievement, uh, and that was, again, you could say, in a sense, a science, a science of engineering, uh, could overcome the need for God. And so we, we've been trying to do this for a long time, uh, mm -hmm. but I think if, if, if we as Christians can help people see that it's actually a pretty empty, um, it, 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 ultimately these things lead you to, pretty empty and unsatisfying answers because our soul doesn't rest until it rests in God. Um, yeah. So I like that Keller quote. Don't, don't answer their questions as much as you question their answers. 
I don't know. What, how would you yeah. answer the same question? I mean, you, you have had a lot of these conversations. Uh, along the same lines, I think, um, you know, this is a, a lot easier said than done. But when you when you are engaging people uh, that disagree with you, particularly on spiritual matters, our goal ought not to be to win the argument. Right. Um, our goal ought to be to share truth and do it in a strategic and winsome and attractive yeah. way. Right. Um, you know, I, I, my group has heard me say this a bunch of times. We, we deal with people that are different, that believe differently than us. You know, if, if the best that we can do is to leave a stone in their shoe, right, then we've done all right. And then we trust that God in his providence, uh, in some sense has used us and will work things out, uh, for good. But, um, I, I like to think of that. We think of the idea of leaving, you know, when we've got a stone in our shoe, we can't keep walking. We got to stop and, and address it. We got to get that stone out of our shoe. And so if we think strategically about how we engage with people uh, that believe differently than we do, not to win the argument, but the objective, the ultimate aim is to expose them to the truth, the transcendent truth, right? Um, then um, at some point, uh, we've got to trust God that he will compel them to deal with the truth that they've been exposed to. Mm. Yeah, I think that's really good. I mean, even I'm looking at just some of the comments made by this uh, this friend yesterday, and I'm grateful that that he watched. Yeah, but, you know, truth Absolutely. equals something that is true. Well, again, that's a problematic statement. It's not a satisfying statement because what anchors what is true? I mean, how, that's the point. How do you know what is true? Um, mm -hmm. And then he says, you know, human emotions are the result of evolution, not the other way around. Again. Um, I understand that's what an evolutionist would say, but if, if all love is, if what I feel for my children is just an instinct for success or survival, right? If that's all that it is, there is something in me that says, no, no, love yeah, is well, more than that. Um, and what business do we have admiring it at all, right? If it's only instinct and, and, and utilitarian in that sense, then there's nothing admirable about love or courage or any of the traits that we... Yeah, so know, why do we admire, we admire those things, right? Yeah. yeah. Why do we admire that and then not admire the guy that cheats Wall Street and figures exactly. out how to make a bunch of money, right? I mean, yeah, exactly. in a sense, those are love and uh, manipulation are one and the same <laughs> thing. So, yeah, exactly right. But anyway, yeah, so, I don't know, Tara, anything to add to that? Nope, I'm good. Now, Jason, you had a question about some resources, or maybe I was going to ask a question about resources. What are some resources <laughs> if you've, you know, if you've asked these questions, maybe you listened to the, yesterday's sermon, and you're like, I want to I look at more. I want to think about this in a more way, and I hope that that is your response. What are some things, Jason, you, I know, read a lot about this, and Tara, you may have some suggestions also. What are some things that you guys would, would take a look at? Tara, you want to take a stab? Yeah, so actually my husband, his sophomore year of college, went through um, something you know, very similar in his faith where he was questioning a lot um, on this topic. So uh, one, I'm just so glad we addressed it as a church. And then two, um, you know, he grew a lot from a website called Apologia. Um, it, it's pretty um, in-depth. I mean, there are three-hour videos on, you know, all these different apologetic topics, but um, that's a website that really has helped us both grow in our marriage, and it helped him grow personally before we got married. How about you, Jason? Well, I, I'm for, gosh, over a decade now, I've been um, 
a follower of a, a ministry out in California called Stand to Reason. It is, is too, is an apologetics ministry, str.org. Uh, is where you, and they have an abundance of resources that help Christians think through um, the implications of um, of a Creator God and, and how to make sense of it. And and then you referenced uh, John Lennox, who's a, a mathematician and um, philosopher from is he uh, Irish? Maybe I, he's from the UK. He's and, Irish, but he was at Oxford for years. Yeah, he was at Oxford for a long, long time, and he's just a great clear thinker and a very uh fun speaker and he and he writes really well and anyway he's got a handful of books the, the one that uh i would recommend by john lennox is is called god and stephen hawking whose design is it anyway mm. and so it's a it's a short book but um stephen hawking wrote a book called the grand design arguing uh that even though we see design in the universe that doesn't imply a designer and uh, this is uh, Lennox's response to, to that book, and, and in it, he, he goes about exposing the flaws in Haw- Hawking's logic and demonstrating that um, you know, far from disproving a creator God, that, that Hawking's arguments actually make God's existence seem all the more probable. And so, um, again, from an intellectual standpoint, I, I think this would be helpful. Um, and I, I'm sure you have some that would help us with... Uh, Obviously, the, the spiritual ascent, I guess, as well, that Paul's speaking to. Yeah, I think, I mean, uh, there's a Confronting Christianity new book by Re- Rebecca McGraw- McLaughlin, a uh, really helpful book I used in the, the sermon. Um, obviously, Keller uh, has written two big books on uh, Christian apologetics, The Reason for God. It's about 10 mm-hmm. years old now, kind of his first big New York Times bestseller, really, really helpful um, it's just a great book for any Christian to read. And then making sense of God is a newer book, maybe three or four years old now that, um, that really kind of, he calls it like a pre, uh, a prequel to reason for God. It kind of, it kind of whets the appetite for a desire to understand God. Um, yeah. another one, uh, Francis Schaeffer, like the God who is there. Those are some yeah. books that I read kind of now it's probably been 15 or 20 years ago in college, maybe that were incredibly helpful for me as I thought more deeply about some of these things, John frame, um, and even just some of his uh, presuppositional apologetics. I think he has a book called apologetics to the glory of God. That's super helpful. Um, so, um, there's a lot of stuff. Out know, there. I thought of, I thought of another one that I mentioned last night. DA Carson, um, has wrote a book. Um, I don't know, maybe 10 years ago now or so, I think called the gagging of God. And it's yeah. all about, um, thinking through, um, the implications for Christians of living in a postmodern world. And I think it, that would be a helpful resource for anybody that's um, looking to, to think about how to respond to the claims that, well, beyond what our visitor on YouTube was claiming yesterday, that there, there is no objective truth that um, we can't trust a whole lot of anything. And this is Carson's uh, response to that. And I think it'd be a, a helpful resource as well. I love it. Well, guys, this has been a fun and helpful conversation Thank you all so much for joining us. So for Tara Anderson and Jason Byers, I'm Jason Dees. Thanks for listening.